Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? So good. It's a beautiful day. It's not swelteringly hot today. Amber doesn't like my pencil. Okay, check. All right, uh, so today we are kicking off a, a brand new series. And actually, we're kicking off a brand new half of the year, half the semester, or whatever we call this. So the first six months of the year, we talked about grace, uh, and that was awesome. But as you see on our, our banner, we are doing grace and truth. And so the next six months, we are going to be diving into what does it mean that Jesus is the, the truth? And as we're going to, to see that, that Jesus came right, to reveal the truth, that is one of the things that he came to do. Our theme verse for this whole series, Grace and Truth, is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, start uh, in verse 14, where, where he says, The Word, which is Jesus, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So good. Jesus came full, fully grace and fully truth. And hopefully you have, after the last six months, got a, a good understanding and grasp of the, the gracefulness of God. And so as we look into truth, what does it mean that Jesus came to reveal the truth? I believe that the truth that Jesus came to reveal is this cosmic reality, this divine reality that our creator God set, created everything by his own words, set everything into motion. I, I, I drew some, some pictures to help us, to, to help illustrate this. This is, this is as good of art as I can do. Uh, my daughter's a, a graphic artist, but she's on vacation, and so I couldn't utilize her. Um, so this is my work. Um, so in the beginning, right, God created us, right? He created everything in unity with him, in unity with one another, in unity with the creation, right? This is how it was supposed to be. We see in the, uh, the first couple chapters of, of Genesis that apparently Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the garden with God, right? This beautiful relationship. They were in great relationship with one another. But as that story progresses, we know that Adam and Eve ate of the, the forbidden fruit and it, it ruptured, it broke apart this per perfect relationship with God. Right? So instead of choosing God's truth, the cosmic reality, this divine truth, humanity chose their own truth. And they chose to lift up as true their own ideas, their own uh, prestige, their own uh, comfort, right? They started setting up sex and, and money and entertainment as the ultimate truth and pushing God off to the side if they kept him intermingled there at all. And so this is the fall. We are distant from God. But then we see in John 1.14 that God sent his son Jesus full of grace and truth. 
Right? And this is our redemption. Jesus came to restore us back to the truth. To, he graciously returned to set us rebels free. Right? Because we're still at this point shaking our fist in defiance against God, saying, we don't want your truth, we are enjoying our own. Thank you very much. But Jesus, in his grace, comes and says, I am revealing the truth again. Right? This cosmic reality that there is a creator who has a purpose and a design for you. And we actually enter into flourishing life. We actually enter into abundant life, not when we're seeking after our own truth, though we often think that will bring us life. No, we find actual abundant life when we come into alignment with Jesus and come into relationship with our Creator Father. You see, Jesus comes full of grace and truth to bridge the gap that we could never cross. And then we're restored back into unity, into unity and community with God, into unity and community with one another, with our world. We're back in correct alignment with this cosmic divine reality. Okay? And that is what truth is. That's, I think that's the simplicity of it. It's just the reality of God's design and God's creation in our right placement within that design. And we step into truth. But in today's scripture, I'm hoping that we're going to to enter into and encounter truth again because we're going to look at the story of of Pilate and Jesus. Jesus uh, has just been... um, uh, what's it called? Betrayed by, by Judas in, in the garden. Right? The, 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 the Roman guards, as well as some Jewish temple guards, come and arrest him. Peter draws his sword and cuts off the, the ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant. And Jesus says, No, 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 Peter, that's not the way we do things in my kingdom. Which is a bu- not a bummer. But he, so. It, this, this is not in my notes, but I always think that Jesus sent Peter out. He said, go get a sword. And so Peter's like, I understand swords. I understand power, right? And so I'll protect you, Jesus. And then Jesus is actually getting arrested. Peter cuts off the ear, fights back. And Jesus is like, Peter, what are you doing? You can't use that sword. Come on, Jesus. What do you mean? I think, I think there's something there, right? There's this that we have access to certain kinds of power. We have access to the ways of the world, and it seemed, often seems like, man, that's the way that we're going to move the kingdom forward. But Jesus says, no, the way we're going to move the kingdom forward is the way of the cross. It's the way of death. The way of surrender. That's not, that's free... <laughs> today. <laughs> okay, so we're going to read this story. Jesus has been arrested. He has spent the, the night being uh, kind of grilled by the, the high priests and those, those guys, and now they bring Jesus to Pilate because they want Pilate to deal with him. And so this is a little bit longer passage than I normally read. It's going to take me four minutes and 28 seconds. <laughs> I timed it to read the whole thing, uh, but just enter into the story. All right, we are in John 18, verse 28, and Jesus is in uh, Herod's, or excuse me, Pilate's palace. Whoops. 
Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas, Caiaphas is the high priest at the time, to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. And so obviously the, the Caiaphas and the high priest and the Jewish leaders are very concerned about cleanness and doing the right thing. Just after they be betray and murder this innocent man, they want to go and uh, partake in the, uh, the yearly Passover feast. So good job, guys. Um, so Pilate came... It's going to be longer than four and a half minutes if I comment every couple of verses. Okay, so Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? Seems like a good question to ask. And, and the, the Caiaphas says, If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Well, guys, that's not exactly what I asked, but thank you. Um, Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Who are you listening to? He asks Pilate. Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people, your own chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. See, Pilate wanted him to be a king. He wanted some easy reason just to be done with this guy. And if he was a king, he was a threat to Rome, and he could easily execute him. Easy. But Jesus answered, You say that I am a king, or... That's your word. Your words say I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born, the reason I came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. And Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. And as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. 
The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. And when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you have no power over me if we're not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down at the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. It's a long, longer narrative there, but man, it's so powerful. And here, what we want to look at today is that, that Jesus came to bear witness of the truth. In verse 37, Pilate said, right, you are a king then. You're looking for this opportunity. I can, oh great, if you're a king, I can kill you. And Jesus said, you say I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born, the reason I came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. In the, in the ESV translation, this is the, the NIV, it says, I came to bear witness to the truth. And if we'd gotten this far in John's narrative, we're in chapter 18, we see through Jesus' teaching and Jesus' life that the, the truth that he came to reveal is that there is another kingdom. And the, the king of, of this kingdom is a, a loving father that cares about you. The, the truth that, that Jesus came to, to reveal is that God is gracious. He is forgiving. Even in our rebellion, He's willing to send His own Son to die for us. The truth that, that Jesus came to reveal is that there is freedom available in this new kingdom when we align ourselves with this cosmic, divine reality that there is a creator and we are the created and it is our appropriate response to come into a relationship of worship and service to the king and to the kingdom. And again in the ESV, it, it says, those who stand in truth, listen to me. Those who stand in truth, listen to me. And, it's, and I can almost picture like Jesus 
standing, standing there and drawing a line in the sand. Right? And he's saying, All right, if you're for me, if you are with me, you come and cross this line. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to stand with me? Because, because if you stand with me, it's not the way of power. You can put your swords away because we are going to be climbing up on an altar. We're going to be climbing up on a cross. But it's in that that we find life. Right? When we align ourselves with truth, when we stand with Jesus, we listen first and foremost to Him. Right? We do not get to choose our own truth. Right? We don't get to first listen to our hearts or our feelings or our fears or our political parties or those people or ourselves who are grasping for power. We align with Jesus. Right? And I think we're all looking for truth. We're all looking for the way things are supposed to be. We were created in this perfect relationship with God and one another and with creation and with ourselves. And we are all scrambling to get back to that peace and that rest and knowing that we're significant, knowing that we are important and we're, oh, maybe if I get this job, maybe if I get this much money in my bank account, maybe if I get this thing or that thing, right, then I will find my truth and I will be satisfied. But ultimately, it leaves us wanting. The only way to, to find all of that reality is to align ourselves with the truth to stand with Jesus. And so Jesus comes to bear witness of the truth. And now, here it is in, the, in Pilate's palace or his wherever he is, right? He, Pilate is confronted with the truth. He's confronted with Jesus, right? The ultimate divine reality is standing right in front of him. And, and what is Pilate's response? What is Pilate's response to getting confronted with truth? He says, what is truth? What even is truth? And I think that what is truth is really the question you ask when the last thing that you want is the truth. I'm going to use a, an, an example that I think is old enough that I won't ruffle any feathers. So crossing my fingers. In 1998, uh, Bill Clinton was on, was on trial, right? It's old enough, that's safe? <laughs> who? Bill who? Um, so he was uh, on, on trial for sexual misconduct with, with Monica Lewinsky, and his defense was starting to fall apart, right? And the, what we heard him say in front of the, the jury or whatever is like, what is sexual intercourse? I mean, okay, maybe I had sexual... Well, what even is it, right? And it was like this last chance, like, you know, who knows? Who knows what it is? What is truth? What is sexual intercourse? What is, you know, peace? What is joy? What is anything? It's, you know, it is what we make it. And so Pilate doesn't want the truth. And why would, and it's not just Pilate, and it's not just Bill Clinton, and it's not just whoever pops into your mind. It's us. Yeah. It's me. 
We don't want the truth. Because this divine reality, this cosmic truth, this way of the cross, it intrudes on our rights. It intrudes on our security. It intrudes on our preferred way of life. It's way easier to serve our own truth and go, well, we're just going to add Jesus' truth onto the side. Right? Pilate didn't want the truth. Right? That would have demanded this realignment with God. Because look at what Pilate would have lost if he was like, oh, wait, you are the king of the Jews. I am going to serve you. Right? He loses his position. He loses his power. He loses his money. He loses his comfort. He loses his influence. Everything that is important to him, everything that makes him feel safe and secure and valuable and important gets thrown away if he aligns himself with truth. And like I said, in our brokenness and our fallenness, we don't want truth either. We have too much to lose as well. Because siding with Jesus demands that we repent, that we turn away from, that we choose Jesus' way. We repent of everything that does not align itself with the kingdom. And that's hard. This isn't very funny, Mark. <laughs> but this is it, right? This is, this, is, uh, this is where we're at. And I don't know how many times in my life I'm running after my own truth with kind of this like, well, kind of Jesus-y cover to it. Look how righteous I am when I'm really pursuing power or prestige or influence or some way of like, maybe if I do good here, if I'm standing up in front of the church and I'm preaching a message, somebody will say, Mark, you're valuable. Mark, you're important. And so really it's not about Jesus, it's about me. Maybe that's a little too transparent. But the reality is that we need to repent of all that stuff. We recognize all this stuff of our own kingdom that we're building and go, Jesus, even though I don't know where this leads me, even though it's scary, I can't even imagine picking up my own cross, Jesus. That sounds terrifying. I can't imagine serving in that way, humbling myself in that way, because what's going to happen to me? I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to be nobody. I'm going to be nothing. But we see in Philippians 2 that Jesus laid down his life, right? He humbled himself, becoming a man, being born in a, in a cave in the middle of, of nowhere, willing to die on the cross. And what happens? It says that God exalted him to the highest place, right? When we scramble up to some position or some power, we spend the rest of our lives holding on and maintaining everything. But when we die to ourselves, when we pick up our cross, when we follow Jesus in his way, we allow God to exalt us and we can rest that he's taken care of. And it's that place that we can actually rest, knowing that it's not all about us. We're in right alignment with the truth, with the divine reality that we are the created and we serve a creator. But Pilate, 
when he is confronted with the truth, he doesn't repent. He doesn't submit to the truth. He's not willing to give anything up. Right? When confronted with the truth, Pilate aligns with falsehood. Instead of aligning with the light, which is Jesus, he aligns with darkness. Right? In his alignment with darkness, with falsehood, he thinks, oh, I'm going to hold on to my stuff. I'm going to hold on to my life. But we know that ultimately he will only find death. In 1904, it says, Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know I find no basis for a charge against him. And as we read the story, we see three times Pilate says this. Three times he comes out to the Jewish leaders and is like, Okay, maybe he's a little out there. He's got some kind of wacky things that he's saying, but he certainly doesn't deserve to die. Right? Here he is. You can do what you want with him, but there's no problem here. But Caiaphas and and the religious leaders, they also don't want the truth. But where Pilate at least... He showed some, some reservations and some like, well, guys, this, we don't have to go. This, he doesn't need to die. Like, there's nothing going on here, right? The, while Pilate showed this uh, regret, Caiaphas only sees a threat to his own position, to his own power, to his own tradition. And then at the, at the end of our story today in 1915, Caiaphas and the other Jewish leaders swear allegiance but not to God, not to the truth. What do they cry out in 1915? We have no king but Caesar. Come on. You, like, what are you talking about? Even if, you, even if you don't think that Jesus is the Messiah, you do have a king that's not Caesar. Right? It is Yahweh. It is the Lord. It was the, the one who, who uh, brought your descendants out of Egypt, who cr- uh, spread out the, the, the Red Sea that you crossed over on, on dry land. He's the one that sent you manna in, in, the, in the desert. He is the one who's protected you. The one who, in hundreds and thousands of years of rejection, continues to call you back and say, guys, just come to me and you will have life. But you, continuing to reject God, continuing to, to reject his ways, putting on these like, kind of outward trappings of religion and righteousness, right? Your hearts are broken and dark and gross, and now you're swearing allegiance to this political office? Caesar? Seriously? So we see in in this story, Pilate, confronted with the truth, chooses to follow his own way, to do his own stuff. But we have an opportunity today as well. What are we going to do? When we are confronted with the truth of Jesus and this invitation to take up our cross and follow the way of Jesus, what are we going to do? Jesus is standing at the door knocking. 
Are we going to let him in? Jesus is standing there drawing a line in the sand, saying, I came to bear witness of the truth. Those on the side of truth stand with me. Are we willing to stand with Jesus today? Are we willing to repent of everything in our life that does not align with the kingdom of truth? All right, and after this part of the story, Jesus was handed over to the executioners and he died on a Roman cross. Jesus, the, the sinless Son of God, died the death that we deserve. But three days later, right, he rose again from the dead, proving that he was who he said he was. He was the divine Son of God. And because he was who he said he was, he's going to do what he said he was going to do. He was going to forgive us our sins as we repent and align ourselves with him. And because Jesus is alive, right, we can be alive too. His offer of abundant life is for right now, right? Abundant eternal life is not just the future. As Christians, right, we step into full abundant life right now and then forever when Jesus comes back. And that is available to every person that calls on the name of Jesus. And so if you are here today, right, and you know that it's time to truly stand with Jesus, I just encourage you after service to come and pray with the, the prayer team. Right? They would love to, to pray with you. We would love to help you walk out this journey. If you're here today and you have been walking with Jesus for a long time, that's awesome. I have too. But as I prepared this message, I can't help but recognize places that are still kind of gross in my heart, places that are still not in alignment with Jesus, places where I'm still looking to meet my own needs and kind of hold on to my own power and prestige and influence. So I invite you just to, to ask Holy Spirit if there's anything in you to reveal that and to repent of that today. So I'm just going to close in prayer. If you would stand with me. We're just going to, I'm going to pray and then we're just going to take like 30 seconds of quietness and just allow Holy Spirit to speak. And if He says anything, I just encourage you just to repent and if you want somebody to pray with, we would love to, to do that after, after service. So, Father God, we love you. And we thank you that even in our rebellion, in our brokenness, you were willing to send Jesus Christ to die, to come and to, to restore us. Lord, we repent for any way that we have aligned ourselves with any other truth of our own devising as opposed to aligning ourselves with your truth. So right now, Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak. Look at our hearts and see if there's any wicked way in us.
Lord Jesus, we repent of our sins. We thank you that your word says as we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us. And Lord, I pray that as we go from here, as we go to our families and into, into our work week or into whatever this next week holds for us, Lord, that we would have, that you would help us to stay aligned with you, that to recognize when we step out of truth and help us to quickly repent and step back into it. Lord, we give you glory and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.